yeah, you know, I love my Star Wars swears uh, just like anybody else. Yeah, I mean, definitely the filmmakers of the show love their Star Wars swearing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it almost feels like Dave Filoni started these just so he could make more Star Wars swears like relevant. Yeah, uh, or you know, it's a, it's just sort of uh, he can he can just throw out the or he. It's almost like he gets to signal boost everything that he likes from the Star Wars universe. Yeah, which by the way, he should send us a letter and say, "Hey, what do you want to see more of, Aaron?" And he'd be yeah. like, "Oh, you know what? I need a Gonk Droid episode that really." <laughs> I heard something about how they do missionary missions, you know, like I would love to know about them religiously knocking on doors and blowing things up as kamikaze missions. Yeah. Why not? Right. I mean, we're getting the inner workings. If we're, if we're going to get the inner workings of obscure, uh, of obscure races, Mm -hmm. uh, like Ugnaught in Mandalorian. And now again, we're further extrapolating the world of uh, the Tuscans. I think there's a distinct possibility for a gonk droid episode. Yeah, I would like a crumb family Christmas uh, thing or, <laughs> or if they have a Thanksgiving, whatever holiday they have where they gather and laugh with each other. I want that. I yeah. just want some of that. Yeah, maybe gonk droids have like an Easter holiday where like the, the gonk droid like came back and powered uh something some sort of (laughs) disruptor for longer than possible perhaps a moisture farm i don't know that would be great i would love it it's funny that we're getting like relatives of everybody and everything i didn't realize how family this show was gonna be and it's like oh yeah everyone's family is also in beef with everyone's family it's like when you talk (laughs) to your aunt and she's like those neighbors from across the street (laughs) they keep leaving things out on their lawn they'll put their trash out three days in advance you know, like they get mad about that. Like that's what Star Wars is becoming. Yes. Yeah. You know, my my helmet wasn't serviced the way that your helmet was serviced. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the people are mean to me at Tashi Station. <laughs> uh, and then like the Dave Fawn is like, people are mean to you at Tashi Station. That's great. Let's write this in. Andy, are you ready for another episode of Is I, This the Way? I hope so. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Fans yeah, will let us know when in. they rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for doing it at the top. We always throw that in somewhere <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> Which uh, I have heard is not a good place for instruction. Yo, to no, hide it not. somewhere in the middle. <laughs> We're like, and then Boba Fett. Uh, it, started act three by rating reviewing and subscribing to this podcast <laughs> um so we have we started chapter two called tribes of tatooine pretty self-explanatory a couple multi-layers in there directed by steph green her first star wars and directing i yes. checked out her imdb she's done like 20 tv shows all of which good um none of which i've seen i've seen zero of her work until now yeah, um, the only one that has stood out for me when I was checking it out was uh, that she had done um, some stuff for the Watchmen um, television series. So I thought that yeah, was cool. exactly. That was the I think what got her this gig. Yeah, and I'd seen random episodes of L Word, and I saw she did that, and okay, it was good. And she's so like, all right, cool. She's worked her way up into Star Wars, so I'm sure she's excited. Yeah. Um, and she directed a great episode. So thank you very much, Steph Green, if you're listening, which all directors of every episode listen to this podcast from what I hear. I hear it's a requirement 
<laughs> totally. After you direct it, they make you sit down and listen to us well, decipher their episode. And we should note really quickly that uh, that I had I had sort of um, I had over I had overlaid that Robert Rodriguez was going to direct for the entire arc of the Boba Fett series. Mm-hmm. And so this is clearly uh, clearly a point where we can point we can say that uh, I was wrong um, and that and that IMDb also you'd pointed out and us doing a little bit of back and forth that that there will be rotating uh, rotating directors for the episodes. So Steph Green um, taking the helm for chapter two. Correct. I'm also very happy. If anyone ever wants to interrupt me to tell me that they were wrong at any point for anything, yeah. always welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I also made a couple big mistakes with text messages back and forth through you that I don't think made the podcast last week, oh. so I don't have to apologize. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, no. No. Incorrectly said Robert Rodriguez was a voice in episode one to you in text message, not on the episode. Yep. I got that wrong. He was a voice in this week's. But we start off at Jabba's palace. Uh, immediately, Fennec is walking the assassins. Yep. To a very familiar door to us it yes. is the gate to Jabba's palace, which that was one of my favorite scenes as a kid for some reason. Like the little security droid that showed oh, up in the Jedi. Yeah. I mean, although as, as much as that wasn't in this episode, that was like one of my favorite scenes as a kid. And then to have those gates open up so slowly yep. and then the choking of the, the guards there. Oh, they recreated it perfectly. I watched that a lot as a kid. I was really excited to see it as an idiot. When last week when they showed us the throne room, I was like, we're not going to see the gate. I got to see the gate. And then I got to go into the throne room. I was happy. And when we get to the throne room, um, 8D8, the white droid. Yes. That, uh, as we called torture droid last week. <laughs> He's a smelter droid. He's a smelter droid who has a who has a penchant for torture. But yeah. <laughs> his actual purpose is smelting. Yeah, it is. But he really does love a little torture, which I was happy to see him. I was like, good. He's going to be a series regular. And then he gets like one line, which is pro torture again. Yes. <laughs> So two out of two and him recommending torture. And I'm really happy with that. I hope that that happens throughout the whole series. Maybe in the last episode, he's like, maybe not torture. And we're like, oh, character arc, you know, like showing depth. But, <laughs> but we learned that this assassin is from the Order of the Nightwind, yes. which sounds like a Legend of Zelda game, but it's not and has not ever been seen in Star Wars before. So we got a first appearance. What's well, a deep cut, by the way, is it so apparently it appeared in one of the pen and paper role playing Star Wars games, uh, Star Wars oh. Meg, um, Star Wars Meg had pointed out that there was a Nightwind reference. So this potentially is kind of a, a, a you know, well, not potentially there is like a far off reference that you would have to dig pretty deep to find. So perhaps perhaps a Filoni thing, but. Um, I think we also don't give Favreau enough credit for just how much of a Star Wars nerd he is. And uh-huh. so this could have been a Favreau call out for, for the old uh, pen and paper game. So sure. And the nerds rejoice. Yes, that's what I'm going to say. Every time we go super deep <laughs> in the references and the nerds rejoice, we got a, a reference that we never thought we'd get. There we go. And uh, we get Hudanese swearing that you yes. brought up earlier. We first heard these swear words at Empire Strikes Back. Ichuda. <laughs> yep and c3po's like oh my what what a rude fellow that was how rude <laughs> yeah exactly yeah like full house and uh brought back and then that those words got him into the rancor pit which you fooled me yes saying that he's got a whole bunch of rancors down there there yeah, was not a one 
I did. Well, and, and before we move, before we move to the pit really quick, I, I loved that there was a bit of brand hate uh, from Fennec here on the order of the night wind. They're overpriced. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, and so I thought that was, uh, I love a good uh, master assassin cattiness between uh, assassin orders. So awesome little aside. And then I will now take responsibility. So, um, we we sort of blithely someone had someone had, some someone messaged me who will, they'll probably be listening so they'll hopefully feel that I've appropriately acknowledged this but last week I was I basically said there's a rancor in season one of Bad Batch mm-hmm. and so there's probably a rancor in there there's other there's, yeah mochi. You know, there's yes mochi um, and I'm spacing on the name uh, Pis- uh gosh I'm Pistisha I think is the rancor that got killed in Return of the Jedi. But um, so know your rancors uh, are fun are a fun segment that we like to have. <laughs> but but yeah, I loved this misdirect. And clearly I had fallen for it that we were going to get some rancor action uh, because I had had called out the Mochi connection. Uh-huh. And so, but you were not alone. A lot of the no, no. I was reading were all like, hey, wait, what? but there are there are rancors. There's not one right now. Yep. They use it as a thing to not kill the guy and get the information. Good yeah. for them. They got it. Awesome. I was fooled. I thought we were going to see a rancor. Um, and yeah, especially since there was Mochi that was bought by Bib Fortuna. Yep. So they got, they must keep these rancors somewhere else too. Like the pits yeah. only for fighting. They must have like a stable of them. Much like in Disneyland uh, where they keep their horses is not where they walk their horses. <laughs> totally, totally. And then I, I haven't gotten a chance to, to try to look at this, but um, someone was pointing out to me that in the Star Wars visual guides, um, they show so Jabba's palace was apparently a monastery, a Bomar monk monastery. Those are those oh. weird, weird, creepy spiders that were in um, that were in the trailers. And so the this it's a vast complex. So I think that we're getting a little bit of, you know, like oh, yeah, it looks huge. Yeah, we're there's two rooms out of a palace. Yeah. So I, I suspect that if we see someone go into that pit again, we're not going to get this misdirect. But I absolutely. But now they created a misdirect for it for when that happens. Exactly. If they do, which if you spoiled it, we're sorry. We did not yep. know at the time of taping. We've totally. only but seen Return of the Jedi and Chapter Two of this. So, uh, yeah, they then take their way to Mos Espa, which we mentioned in the first one is where Anakin's from, and they showed a lot of people just like looking like Trandoshans, looking at Boba Fett, and it was like Trandoshan after Trandoshan. I was just like. This isn't really Star Wars esque to show us just one species repeatedly. So I was like, this is foreshadowing for it's sure. A desert. It's a desert, too. I want to point that out. Lizard. It is a desert, deserts. but every other time we've been through most Espa, it's not just been one dominant species. Yep. That does seem to be a collective place where a lot of species hang out. Totally. So I was like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing. They go to visit the mayor, which um, I was told that we do too many references on this show, but I'm into it. <laughs> It felt like strange brew to me where they're like, oh, do you have an appointment? You can't get through. And he's like, baby, this was good. I wished Boba Fett had a jelly donut in his pocket. And uh, that would have that would have been the sort of uh, kicker for me. Yeah, it was like one of the three things I wanted to text you, but not ruin for the podcast. This is that I was going to reference strange brew at this moment. It's, it is the perfect strange boo reference. And uh, and the guy, I don't know, the actor who played the sort of hapless clerk, but perfect guy like the absolute oh, he nailed it and then the twilight uh major domo is what they called this title showed up and was like oh no 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 yeah he's busy but we do respect you and then boba just walked right past him 
And uh, I really enjoyed that. They're like, no, we're not going to give you your respects. You haven't been giving us our respects. And we find out why on the other side of this door. Because he opens it up and there's a hammerhead. Yes. Uh, I know that there's another name for that. Ithorian, I believe, is. So. Yeah. So question about that. Yeah. Because the action figure was called Hammerhead when it was released in like the 70s. Is that I know that that species was seen in the bar yep. in Mos Eisley in A New yep. Hope. Is that one guy named Hammerhead or was that just the nickname for the species the way we have Tuscan Raider and Sand People? So I think that it is uh, it's a little bit like how in uh, in Mando, they uh, the Horatio Sands character gets called by his race. Uh, yeah. And so so I think Hammerhead was more or less a nickname. We don't know if it was a pejorative nickname. Yeah. Uh, but a, I don't believe the Ithorian's name was Hammerhead. I thought mm-hmm. that that Hammerhead was both the name of the, the nickname of the species and the race. But I don't for sure know. And, and to my knowledge, it's not the same guy. Um, there's been, you know, some folks who are like, oh, you know, because there happened to be an authorian in. Most- I saw some of that. It seems like a big stretch, but also yeah. just for my E.T. loving self, it's like E.T. is my favorite movie. Yeah. He only names three action figures when he's showing E.T. his Star Wars action figures. And it's Greedo, Boba Fett and Hammerhead. Okay. Well, and so I was like, oh, look, we're having an <laughs> ET reunion, which is not at all what's happening. <laughs> no, but but I mean, like it is it is something to to um, it is something we can come back to for sure. Um, mm-hmm. There there was um, there was an Ithorian in the Bad Batch. And I wanted to say that they had referred to him as a hammerhead. But yeah, I, that could be a deep cut that I'm making a mistake on. So we'll we'll get back to that. But yeah, I refer to it as a hammerhead my whole childhood. But that doesn't yep. mean that I'm right. Yeah. And then, of course, that hammerhead is voiced by Robert Rodriguez. That's yep. where his voice shows up. And I love that they had that thing in his head that translates. So he just talks yep. freely in his alien language. And then Robert Rodriguez's voice comes through. And he had a lot of really great dialogue letting us know why the mayor wasn't so respectful. The mayor sees Boba Fett as a bounty hunter, and he still sees that uh, somebody else is ruling over the land. Yeah. Um, he says pretty disrespectfully. He also acknowledges that there's the order of the night wind is this guy kills him immediately for it. Almost to be like, oh, yes, yes. Look, we're going to have business arrangements. We're not going to necessarily see over your ruling. And, and I loved the move of of it how dismissive it was like oh thank you for bringing me this bounty and like here's your Mm -hmm. here's your money right uh you know run off now uh bounty hunter you know make make way i'm sure you can find another job and i thought that was the like such a power move especially for us to have it you know early on we you know we we only really know this character in you know maybe like a 10 or 15 seconds and then you get that and i was like okay you've got my attention like a mayor Yes. I really loved it because it's like where I was like, where's Boba's stakes? Boba's now saying, hey, no, I'm taking over this land. And he goes, no, we still view you as a bounty hunter. So we're going yeah. to treat you as one. And then he's like, and if you uh, have any questions about it, you can go to Garza Whip's sanctuary and uh, she'll treat you the same. Yeah. Which awesome. And then they what? go to the sanctuary. I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. One second. One second. So uh, um, the the there's a there was a small kind of a a call to the Mandalorian season one in what the mayor was saying when Mok Shaez says uh 
that you may find a uh, bounty hunter, you may find that running a crime family is more difficult than you imagine and yes. or more complicated, I think, than you imagine. And uh, the bounty hunting is a complicated profession, isn't it, is one of the lines in season yeah. one. And so I thought it was kind of a, a little play on that where, you know, Boba's clearly trying to move into a I want to operate in respect. I'm not going to be mm-hmm. uh, dismissive. I'm not going to have vassals. And, and so there's this sort of his attempt at it, but the, the idea that bounty hunting is a complicated profession and oh, by the way, running a crime family is even more difficult than that. And I thought that was kind of a nice little move for, for us sure, in, which is, I think the thesis of, I mean, definitely was this episode, but I think yep. of the season, it's really going to be about yep. that couple sentences. So yeah. Cool. So we go to the sanctuary, which have a bunch of Easter eggs, the exact same ones that were there last week. In yeah. fact, I even wrote probably just in production practicality i believe these are filmed on the same day i don't believe there's any new characters that are there or anyone even got to make up twice so jennifer beals back to reprise the role of the twilight to be like which is garza flip is her name her sanctuary her bar and she was just like oh yeah no we are being seen under the the huts still the twins as they referred to it they did not reveal that it was huts just yet spoiler although if you haven't seen the episode uh, then what do you do this whole yeah (laughs) Then you're misled to be this far into the episode. This is just spoiler city. And like in the middle of her, like being like, no, 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 we are still abiding by the twins, which to me mentally is showing that Bib Fortuna wasn't taking, he was working the throne, but he wasn't, he was still an employee. He wasn't the one in charge as I was led to believe when he was murdered and Boba took the throne. So the huts still kind of have a precedence over this area. Yeah. And And, you start to hear their drum. Well, and we, we, I, or put another way, right, is that the vacuum, there wasn't as much of a vacuum mm-hmm. uh, from a power or a power vacuum that as we thought. Um, and, and then really, really quick. Uh, um, we'll, we'll wait on that. OK, yes. So then we hear the drum okay. and mm-hmm. the reference to the litter. If, and if you haven't figured this out, the the litter is now this is now two episodes and we've gotten uh, well, yeah, references to, to here in a second. Yeah, but that because, but okay. she mentions I didn't. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's like she, I think she calls back to the litter for a second time. He does. Uh, yeah, she does. And okay. like they, they, everyone keeps making reference that he's not on the litter. Yeah. They really all respect the litter. And it's almost like you haven't made your presence truly known to the regular people either. Yes. Because it's almost like all of the, the lizards and everyone who's looking at him when he walks through town is just like he's still not on a litter. He's still look. Yeah. He's still walking. There's there's no show of power. Oh, but he Boba did have a line sweating like a gumpta on. Mustafar, which is yes. where Anakin lost the fight it's, to Obi-Wan. Yes, it's where Anakin lost the fight to Obi-Wan. And so it's a fire planet. It's also where Darth Vader's castle was built. Um, yeah. Sort of like a tuning fork to the dark powers of, uh, of the but Sith. Also, but a hot fun planet. reference to, yeah. to the prequels, to episode yeah. three there. We, we don't know what a Gumta is, by the way. Uh, I don't, I mean, so that's something we'll potentially maybe find out. Maybe we'll, yeah. fan, fans will argue. Well, you know, who knows? The next generation, the Great next reference. Filoni will go back and figure out what that is. <laughs> right now, we don't have that. They hear the drums. Everyone turns around. There's like a stunness to it. And we see now we finally see a litter and somebody walking through town with a litter that has two huts on it. The twins, yes. their cousins, they uh, they look very intimidating, look very cool. Unlike the other times we've seen huts. There was oh, that yeah. Clone Wars animated movie where they kind of did themselves a disservice by making the other huts seem like a gag more than yeah. a crime family. And this does the opposite. You feel 
their presence. They have the little snack trays that Jabba had. I fully expected them to pull out a frog, but yes. they pulled out a mouse and they use it as a hand towel. Yeah. And that Great. mouse, that mouse was amazing. Like I, I think of it as like, you know, so, you know, not to, not to dwell on comedy, but uh, comedy, I think of it as people, comedy specials under the bright lights, like having the little like folded, uh, hold folded handkerchief. And in this mm-hmm. case, the, the folded handkerchief is a mouse that if you look at one point bites, tries to bite the, um, the male uh, twin. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Although if, to get a little further off track, I once saw someone do an open mic in stand up as a stormtrooper. They dressed up in full stormtrooper <laughs> things and they did bad Star Wars jokes. And when they would bomb, he would pull a hand towel out and pat down his helmet as if he was sweating. <laughs> Brilliant. His name was just Stormtrooper Steve. So I don't know who was in that costume. If you're listening, thank you. I still oh, think about that joke. Very amazing. funny. But we do see how the city reacts to a litter. And yes. they act very respectfully to a litter, which they did not show Boba Fett. And they all got out of the way. And they all definitely gave the presence of the litter an importance. Yes. And uh, here comes the part that I was super excited to talk oh, to everybody about. I'm yes. to nobody about. Yes. Is we get to see, like, they have their conflict where he's like, hey, I'm the one in charge now. And they're like, we don't see it that way. And, like, so we know there's going to be a fight in eventually for the Huts and Boba Fett. And yeah. then they show that they have a higher bounty hunter as well. Yeah, wo- they've got muscle. Muscle yeah. in a big way. Which I was unaware of this character until yesterday, and I've read about him a lot since then. Okay, yeah. Um, so the the character is um, Black Chrysanthemum. Um, you'll also hear known some as Black K or Santa. I was just gonna say, a lot of folks will just call him Black K. Um, mm-hmm. I think that another nickname that fans had used for him at one point was Santi. Um, I don't know if that was just like a, a pejorative or like a put down in the in the comics, but primarily most people will know of um, Black Chrysanthemum as a character in the comics, most recently in Dr. Afra. Um, and then the other no- notable thing here is like Doc Strazi in in chapter one, Boba Fett knows Black Chrysanthemum very well. Uh, they work, so they together. work together a lot in the comics. Yes, yes. And he also, um, they both worked for the Huts, yeah. and they both worked for Darth Vader. And so yep. even when they weren't teaming up with each other, they were doing missions for the same boss. Yeah. So they have and a lot of history. There wasn't any intro they needed for each other. No. And, and the Wookiee, the, the, the rendering and everything, like, I don't know if that's, a pra- if that's an actual practical um, costume. I, I mean, it sure looked like it. But it was amazing, um, especially the the shoulder pads. There's been in the comics. There's a, a bunch of different shoulder pad variations, but they picked yes. a really good ominous one. Uh, and then Which, the reference. Shout to out to my buddy be- Jeff Die. He oh, yeah. uh, sent me a text while he was watching it. He was just like, "Look, he's got Road Warrior." Yeah, I was just gonna say pads. those are the Road Warrior ones. That I was like, "Yes." Um, but yeah, that that was perfect. And then um, and then for folks, you know, again, a nod to us acknowledging the comics are canon. OK, just repeat yeah. one more time that we are acknowledging the comic comics are canon. But uh, Boba Fett, Boba Fett's comment about you'll need more gladiators is a reference to the fact that Black, um, that Black K fought in gladiator pits. And Boba knows that. So um, I thought that was kind of a nice. It was also seen in the comics. Yes. Which is now giving uh, value to those comics. Yeah. Also, just a great excuse to make a good old action figure of a scary black Wookiee. (laughs) Love it. Uh, 
All right, and that is the end of that part of the storyline. We spend yeah. the rest of the storyline in flashbacks, which you were hoping there wouldn't be any. Yes. Um, before I get too far into this, are you now that we've seen more flashback happy that we're going into more flashbacks? So I think the these flashbacks. So the one thing that that again, this is more on the speculation side. So if we look at <clears throat> this episode's runtime is like fifty three minutes, right? And I was saying mm-hmm. last time that I expected the first episode to be a little bit longer. And so we got kind of like the opposite, right? But I think if you were to pull the credits, the end credits out of these together, chapter one and chapter two are probably an hour. And I've contemplated watching them continuously, like from one to the other, just to see if there's anything that helps to link up the um, the earlier flashbacks with this mm-hmm. flashback. I do think that these flashbacks had more or this narrative arc for the flashbacks and having it separate had more purpose and um, was more effective than the interleaving that we saw in chapter one. So yeah, just, no, it was easier to get it in two separate chunks yes. to realize that we're just going to stay in the storyline. We made it way easier to follow, although I do like the way Robert Rodriguez would give us these weird pieces. Yeah. Um, but that's just the difference in directors. Yeah, that's totally. That's all that is, a different style. Um, so we start off with him, with the sand people, and they are working their gaffy sticks, and he's now getting training on the gaffy stick. Yeah, which is cool. I was because he was first introduced in Mandalorian having a gaffy stick. Yep. And we got to watch him screw up some stormtroopers with him later. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, please. I want to see some of this gaffy stick training. Turns out he was not a natural. He needed some practice. Totally. But there's um, there's also a learn by doing quality to Boba Fett like as a character. Right. And so I uh-huh. think there there's a certain uh, element for this. And um, in that Boba watched his dad and that's how he ended up sort of taking on the bounty hunting um, uh-huh. When his dad died, he was still uh, training with Aura Singh and with other bounty hunters. And so there's a learn by doing. And so at some point, I believe in the sequence, he uh, he gets frustrated and he says, show me. Uh, and I thought that was kind of a nice call out to this idea that he wants to see the warriors hand positions and everything else. And so there was a, a bit of a, oh, OK, so so I liked that. As yeah, it shows a, that there's a subtlety to this madness. Well, not just that. I thought that that was a a foreshadow for the rest of the episode. That oh, there, okay. There was uh there was a boba learning a boba learning how to win with respect kind of quality, and mm-hmm. that was like marked in it. And so I was like, okay, so that's what I mean when I say if you if you lump chapter one and chapter two together. Maybe that is a little, um, yeah, that is a little more, and more than contiguous. just this part of the storyline. This whole series is about how he's trying to rule yep. with respect. Totally. And so this is showing a lot of respect to the traditions of the Gaffy Stick and how much tradition means to him and respect. Totally. Um, and then we get a Masif who attempts to hunt something in the desert. Yeah. Lays him a little bit astray. They shoot whatever it is he was getting at. We couldn't really see it. And then people think it's a wart, train. by the way. People think it's oh. the it's the that bullfrog looking creature that uh, that catches a fly um, yeah, in one of the, in one of the one of the B real scenes for uh, Jabba's Palace for special edition yeah yeah so yeah, where they added that frog that if, yep. I would love it if it was I didn't get to see it yeah it's, um, it's Wikipedia has it as a wart um, so you know I don't normally like to yeah I don't normally like to 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 cast dispersion but unconfirmed yeah. but Wikipedia has it labeled as a wart. I took Wikipedia as a, a viable source for another thing in like two minutes. Okay. So the train now shows up and now we get to see 
there's a whole correlation between Westerns. We're going to get a train yes. episode. The train shows up and hunts down the sand people as like they just go past them, much like we heard about the cowboys and Indians would just go past and just kill their buffalo. Or yeah. as people have noted, much like episode one, where the Tuscan Raiders are just shooting at the pod races that go past. Yeah, totally. Although that was when we knew them as a more primitive species. Uh, and then the most horrifying Star Wars scene I think I've ever seen where they're all crying after the wreckage and then they're putting the bodies into a pile that's on fire. Yeah. I mean, that's what they did with Darth Vader's body at the end of episode six. So I get that. But also like, holy cow. Yeah. Historically in America, no, not America, on Earth, it's yeah. a, never a good sign when there's a pile of bodies on fire. No, no, it's not. And and I thought it was really interesting, too, because, you know, like we I think at least for some of us that that think about Robert, Robert Rodriguez crossing into the Star Wars universe, there's a there's an edginess to Robert Rodriguez. Clearly, again, uh-huh. you know, Robert Rodriguez is a showrunner, but Steph Green at the helm for this one. But I thought it was an edginess that that I wish I wish I wish we had seen something like this in episode two following Anakin slaughter um, for, you know, the that he slaughtered. the Yeah, tribe. we don't get anything for that to really no. get any idea for what Anakin Slaughter did. Yep. I mean, did he kill an entire tribe though, maybe? Because like we did find out that there are separate tribes. Yes. Um of the Tuscan Raiders he that killed, are out there. He says he killed them all, which which really yeah. in that is that encampment. But anyway, I, I just wanted to quick connect the two because this is one situation where we see sort of the Tuscan perspective on like that situation rock. For sure. But uh when Boba Fett standing there and taking it all in. There's some speeder yeah. bikes that go past that on the back of their seat, on the head of their seat, is the logo that we saw in chapter one of the last episode yep. when the people burnt down the house and they got on their speeder bikes and went away and they put that logo that Anthony didn't know what it is. Yeah. Now it's on the back of those motorcycles. So it's like, oh, okay, now we're getting some connection to this logo that we'd never seen before yep. that we didn't recognize. It looks an awful lot like Assassin's Creed, the the double sickle A kind of Assassin's Creed logo. But yeah, we, we see which that. is not Star Wars canon. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go to what Wikipedia has said is Tashi Station. Everyone yes. has said that it looks like Tashi Station from a deleted scene yes. from A New Hope, and that there's two people that look like they are in that same deleted scene. Carney and Lay's are two people that are in there with Luke Skywalker and Biggs. They got an actor and actress that look like them in Tashi station where that scene took place, which I think is on purpose. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it's for sure in the, in the interiors, at least on, um, at least on uh, Reddit on the star Wars Reddit that people had done um, side by sides for, for mm-hmm. that. And so the interior at least looks like a, a spot on for the, del- so for folks that haven't seen it, there's a deleted scene and it was at the beginning of new hope. And I thought the other characters, you're right. The, the character, at least in Wikipedia is um, starts with an L, but I thought Luke referred to him as fixer. Um, and so fixer and Cammy were the two characters that were mm. friends of Biggs. Um, and then Biggs, of course, we don't really see Biggs um, in the standard cut of the movie, but anyway, Tashi station in the form that we're seeing it. The only, the only quibble I've heard is, that Tossie station in the dark looks like it's the only thing. Like it is just like a bar in the middle of, but it is in the dark. So we don't really have a lot to really go off of. And it's also a deleted scene. And it's It's also so many years later. Totally. totally. Uh, I saw the deleted scene because it came with my uh, holiday special. When I bought the star Wars holiday special, like it had like four star Wars related scenes at the end of it. Yep. Which was probably worth more to me now than the holiday special. 
Totally, totally. And, and, but it, but it is an, it is an awesome sort of, of callback to fans that know that. Uh, and then also for the, the setting for what ends up happening, it was the kind of thing you would expect a biker gang to get into a fight at a bar in, you know, like a remote. For sure. So, and so just like a scene out of T2, these guys, these <laughs> Nictos are being mean to people that don't deserve it. And then Boba Fett shows up and just beats them all up. And at the time that I originally watched this, I was like, Boba Fett doesn't have a reason to really hunt them down outside of wanting his bikes. On the rewatch, yep. realizing that the logo was shown before and then he does yep. it, it gives him it's still the hero's edge of like, no, no, no. These guys, I've watched them do wrong. Yeah, so they're I bad people. Their bikes. Yeah. And so he takes all of their speeder bikes, you know, like all just, of them. I mean, <laughs> all of them. Yeah, I thought I thought it was going to be like Pee Wee Herman, where he like knocks over one and they all go over. <laughs> no, he's like, I'll take them all. They're like Pokemon. He takes them and he rides all of them. He ties them all together and rides all of them up to the Raiders. And he goes, hey, check this out. Uh, I ride you guys bikes. And as Raiders do, they started raiding it. They're like, yes. all right, parts. You know, yeah, it was, a, it was a very Jawa-esque kind of a thing. Like, let's attack yeah. and break these things. Well, as you said, like to me last week off camera, you're like, well, just because they're Tuscan doesn't make them Raiders, you know, like, <laughs> and then in this scene, they're like, ah, oh, they're Raiders to their core. Look, they saw yeah. something. And instead of what, how could they use this? They were like, how can we sell these parts? Yeah, let's break and this. So, <laughs> yeah. And then, so that we go through the classic 80s montage of teaching them how to use their motorcycles. <laughs> With only one gag in it. I appreciate that. And to get ready for taking over the train. They got to teach yes. them how to hijack a train. And Boba Fett, being a, a bounty hunter, is like, oh, you know, I, I know how to prepare people for a, a heist, a tra yeah. train heist. And he does. And they get to the train heist. And is there anything that you want to skip well, over with that? Well, no, I was just, I, no, no. I was just like, I was like, well, uh, so, so you refer just quick in case folks haven't watched the Clone Wars. There is an arc with young Boba where he actually has to protect a train. So he's on the inside of the train protecting it from people that are trying to derail it and everything else. So I, I thought that was also kind of a, a, a nice little nod where he's like, mm. yeah, yeah, trains, I get this. Like, I will stop the train, right? So Yeah, for um, sure. Which it does remind me of, like, of course, all those Westerns and like almost yep. Indiana Jones at some point. And so they get to the train. There's a great sequence where they're going through and they're getting on it, getting on top of it, running through it, where they have a droid, which I do not recognize the droid like it's not a familiar droid to me. Yes, it's not a familiar droid to me either. Um, and then I didn't see it. I didn't see it listed as a like proper like proper call out um, on yeah. Wiki, on on um, Wikipedia. And so um, I think they're just calling it like an engineering droid or engineer droid, which you know driving yeah. a train, you would be an engineer. That looks a little um, like the ones from the prequels, but there's not enough to give it an. Uh, number of any kind. Yeah, and this, I don't have an identifier for it. Totally, totally. But it has that old fangled kind of look to it. Um, quick note to the, the the train looks like it has a pod racer engine on top uh, as well as an engine. As Which I was going to make comments, source. but we also know that pod racers are made from pieces that they have just around from other yep. things. They resourced all these things for their different pod racers. So I'm not sure if the pod racers we know are taking train engines or train engines are using pod racing parts. And that is a Tatooine chicken and egg problem, right? We just don't know. Yeah, we just don't know. <laughs> but it is cool to see 
the pieces of the pod race put together, which is also taking place in the same desert. Yep. So we don't know which one is which, but we know it's the same part and it looks cool and it's fun. It's very Star Wars. They do the takeover. They are able to stop the train in which we're able to get uh, a view of what these creatures look like under their mask Get the Pikes. Yes. Pike Syndicate. Yeah. And they, I did not realize they were going to be so directly fishy. Yes. They look like (laughs) those Walgreens fish that would sing a song to you for a second. (laughs) If he was like, well, maybe if you have spice, they're like, take me to the water. I feel like, yeah, here we go. This makes sense. Um, But we get another spice reference. We get that because when I initially heard the spice thing, I was like, are we referencing Dune directly? And it was like, no, we did reference Spice yeah. on the train episode of Mandalorian. Yep. Well, and, and then so, Sp- Spice Mines a Kessel. So yeah. um, for, for Solo, we've seen, at least in live action, we've seen the Pikes before. They looked a little bit different, um, mm-hmm. but we saw the Pikes in in that where they, where they were in Kessel. Um, and then the Pikes have been part of Clone Wars. So, yeah. um, but, but they're... But they're not just, unmasked that I know of. We've seen them in their masks a lot. We've seen them in their masks a lot, but un- they were unmasked. Um, they were unmasked in Clone Wars. Uh, oh, the different, slightly different look to them as far as the rendering, but we, you know, we don't know if that's just variation, but the, their connection, like I was talking last time about Trandoshans, you know, Trandoshans are to Wookiees what Pikes are to Spice. And so, when, you know, when I see a Trandoshan, I'm thinking, you know, oh, okay. Trader, and so the- Pikes are always going after the yeah. Spice. So the idea that he was like, Spice, what are you talking What might that look like? That is like hilarious because all you know about the Pikes is like, it's like they're they're 100% like in the Spice trade. Absolutely. Okay. I had no <laughs> idea. That, that yeah. Was so such a direct. It, it was a, that, not- that was like probably the com that was the part that i laughed like i like openly laughed at because i was like oh and then, and then i paused because it was like oh well maybe we're gonna find out not all pikes are involved in the spice and then boom. no this and- one's just a liar pike got <laughs> yep. it liar pike like spice what spice but i also like that we now have a name for the black melon that holds the water because he's yes. gonna offer everybody a black melon to get so they have water to get through the desert and offer them protection to get to Anchorhead, which is also a reference from a throwaway line in A New Hope. Yep. And two episodes, so like, two references to Anchorhead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we also know that Anchorhead is on the border of where they go. Because like when Luke first mentioned it, he's like, "I can take Obi Wan Kenobi to Anchorhead if he needs yep. to get out of there." That's as far as he can go. That's also as far as they can go. So there's probably some kind of transportation station there, or dropping yep. somebody off at Anchorhead makes a lot of sense. And that's a, one of the places where they could get off world. And then really quickly, right. We, it also, the fact that he's referencing that places us in the Dune Sea. So yeah. when we, when we talk about in chapter five in season one, uh, where the Mandalorian is getting passage across the Dune Sea, um, that's a kind of a nod to this, this issue with Boba Fett of this is traditional lands. You need to make some offering to, to pass across their lands. So that sure. was, you know, reference to, to the, binocular trade that uh, that din makes in season one also how fun that they're like acting like water is so rare and then when the ra- raiders find it they just spray it all over each other <laughs> like it's a scene and do the right thing where there's yeah. just a music thing that's gonna happen you're like all right fine how fun <laughs> <laughs> this is your rare commodity that you're just using to shower to celebrate in front of the pikes yeah how rude <laughs> 
<laughs> so then at this point now, they go back to the village and we're seeing where Boba Fett, not only do we see him from episode one to two kind of go through an upgrade where they're like, you're not going to be searching for the black metal. We're going to teach you the gaffy stick, which they also showed him making his own gaffy stick, which yeah. I loved because it's much like lightsabers. You have to build your own. Totally. And be like, oh, you got to go find your own. You got to build your own. Now he's there with like sort of feeling like an Indian chief. I know I referenced the doors in the first episode too, but this is very the doors. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I'm sure if, that you were thinking if the same thing. Screams it. the doors. So when 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 we get a psychedelic lizard that crawls up your nose, I'm like, oh man, Aaron's gonna love this. Yeah, uh, exactly. This is- Which Jim Morrison <laughs> is the lizard king and does the peyote and walks through the desert to talk to his Indian friend. Now it's the opposite. Indian's like, no, no, here's my lizard. Yes. And then he like, you know. Get a lizard in the nose. He does the dirt to the face with the lizard nose. That means it's time to go in the nose. It is the most doors reference I've ever heard. I almost thought this is the end was going to play. You know, it would be amazing if it had. They pretty much all but did that. And then he went into his hallucinogenic state, which I just wrote this down. It's like a visual poem, which very much also goes. It's almost screams drop that Fred to me as he walks up to a tree. Yeah. Well, there's two trees, which at the time that I watched it at first, I was thinking it was the tree of life, realizing now it's directly a family tree. Hence the Django tree and the Boba tree and the tree holds him in like the Sarlacc pit. And he goes through all those memories and we start to go through a bunch of which I also wanted to reference. It's also like the evil dead tree. uh, Not that they're trying to do that. That tree is trying (laughs) to squeeze and attack a person. But they are now when he's getting hugged by this tree, he's having all of his childhood memories. Yeah. Where he's holding the helmet and seeing his own reflection in it, which is also, but he's a clone. So it's his dad's reflection in it as well. Seeing his dad fly away uh, as a kid. And, and that, so it's just like going the separation through. piece. Right. So like, you know, and, yeah. and that links to the, that links to the Topoka city and, uh, and the starship being there. Um, it, it also had like, this notion of like rebirthing therapy right where like people who've gone through traumatic experiences like recreate the birthing process so um the connection to the sarlacc and the tree you know like they're playing around with that like you said i think it's a great way to point uh to point it out it was a visual poem and the symbolism is all over the place with that yeah and it is i think it 100 is is like this guy's going in with this baggage from this life that he's already lived and what a life i mean it's really to the point that there was a rebirth when he came out of the sarlacc pit yeah if you go back even like how i said it was like the scene in raising arizona that was a rebirth scene as well and so it's like to come up like this is after death this is my second life this is i don't need to have the baggage of the past but here are the things that i think about when i'm going through to the future which is going to help him in ruling uh his new area many years later when he takes over hut's throne yeah 100 and so that is all very much set right there ready for episode three to show how the sand people teachings are going to directly engage in how he takes the respect the throne makes it respectful totally and and then really quickly when we so so when we see uh when we see boba in uh season two of mando or i should say when we see his head to make the confirmation we see the gappy stick and the rifle and everything um i thought it was also nice to for the the homage to the way they were dressing him in the robes as sort of that signal of him coming back from the sort Mm -hmm. of the vision quest or uh, from that 
to have him dressed. He was basically dressed in the same open armed manner that the droids are putting on his Mandalorian. Yes, correct. So yeah, they're drawing um, those parallels directly. Yeah. And then uh, Ryan Airy makes this comment about uh, chapter one, having a bunch of Moses references. Um, and then I think today he also mentions uh, in his video for Screen Crush talking about the tribes of Tatooine potentially has a biblical reference as the 12 tribes of Israel uh, and leading those out. Uh, and so the, the idea that the Boba helps that this particular tribe um, be able to to reclaim their ancestral lands, I thought it was kind of that's potentially one sort of meaning or one sort of nod that that's in there. So I thought that was interesting, too. Nice. So, Andy, now that we've yes. gone through all the Easter eggs, totally. What do you think of this episode? So, I think this episode, uh, I really, I really enjoyed this episode, but I'm, but I'm still going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it an, mm-hmm. an, an eight warts. Uh, the, the the bullfrog things that we have yet mm-hmm. to confirm. <laughs> and if we confirm them, maybe I'll move to a nine. But it was, I think it was eight. I really enjoyed the, the action sequences. Uh, I really liked um, the the sort of piece that that we get the reveal of so much of the the fan theories have been um, you know misdirects on where we're going to end up with in this episode we get that it's going to be the huts um, you know to to a certain extent it, you can almost know too much in the Star Wars universe and so for folks that do read the comics um, the the hut council for for what we understand without confirmation hut council was like slaughtered. And so it seemed like there were no huts. So the idea that the, the big bad could be the hut twins was a huge refreshing thing for me. And then I felt like it was triumphant to see them come through town. Like I was yeah. really happy to see it to be like, Oh, I'm going to love to watch the hut and fet uh, yes. rivalry continue. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, I love Wookiees. So to get a bad, like badass, like, mm-hmm. Uh, be you know black k uh that that and the and and everything in there is just magic uh for that reveal yeah um the sizing each other up uh almost like a fight promo like the way that was done right uh and and so it it made me even more excited for the coming chapters so i feel somewhat <laughs> remiss in giving it an eight after i say all those things but that part i think really um really kind of kind of nailed it at the front half and then get that mm-hmm. as your delivery and then, then get closure on the overall Tuscan arc. It'd be interesting to see where we go from here. As far as like, you know, last time I said, we probably won't see as many, as many flashbacks. I think you had said, we're going to see flashbacks all the way through. And so I, I'm leaning towards you being right on that now. I think so too. Uh, I I'm going to give it seven out of 10 uh, hut twins. Yeah. Yeah. Seven out of 10. Oh, well, <laughs> mouse hand towels (laughs) i like the reveals i don't think they happened correctly like we were all everyone i've talked to which is just you and jeff so far we we all really love the wookiee we love black k so much that him showing up should have been the end and we would have just been over the moon to be like we're ready for more wookiee but then to be like oh there's still 30 minutes of this episode that's all gonna be a much slower pace than what we just did made it feel like it dragged on too much where you're just like no i think we should have shown the heist first and like then the thing like then like that visual poem and then the hut being a big reveal and you're like oh my god what a big reveal at the end and then oh my god a wookiee 
Yeah. You know, like what did, to me, just I'm like, oh, yeah, we didn't get the high note at the end. We got the high note in the middle. Yeah. Which is the big thing. And like, and we don't even go back to reference that that even happened when we get to the end. When we get to the end, it's just like, oh, I guess this is our stop. Well, and, and, and it, this is a bit of, to my point about like watching them, watching one and two together, right? Because yeah. I, I think, I think where we had landed last time, or, or this actually may have been just you and I cross, cross talking. Um, mm. but, but I think that that could be uh, like, yeah. Cause it could start with the black Wookiee and have it be like, no, but in a book, this is how it's laid out. Yeah. Which well, is much more of the way a chapter ends. To, totally. And, and so I think, I think what you were saying, and then also what I heard from other, some other folks, you know, that, that's that chapter one of season one of Mandalorian ends with the, the sort of baby Yoda finger touch reveal. Right. Yeah. And you had basically pointed out that this completely diverges from what a pilot would be right yeah we really didn't have a big end and the irony for me was at least from a constructive or critical point the first whatever you know 18 minutes or whatever of of this episode basically would have been an amazing end (laughs) to to chapter one right and end of act one is the which should have been the end of the episode and we still could have got all the other stuff had that been revealed in that sort of way yeah i also feel like we're still doing a lot of teasing and not a lot of answering yeah. which always makes me upset and antsy as we go down. Cause you're like, we can reveal and also foreshadow the next part in stories as well. Did, did, but I'm also really forgiving of that in like the way an episode like eight and nine of Mandalorian really just answer yeah. all these questions. And then I'm just super excited. So this might just be leading up to me being super excited to the end. The, the, the thing that messes with me and maybe I'm just like, well, we're, you know, clearly, clearly we're overthinking it because we're talking, oh, you know, an hour about whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, but the thing for me that gets me a little antsy is uh, we only have five more chapters left. And so mm-hmm. so with the, all the teases, I'm like, I'm like, I, you know, we don't or it, I don't think we're going to get another Boba Fett series. And, and it's basically you got six chapter or seven chapters, you know what? You know, and after last week, we had six remaining like you got to make sure those are like all chambered and go off like super, super awesome. And so I still think there's, you know, five remaining. We're in a good spot. We've got yeah. kind of an established bad. Uh, we've got uh, at least a beef with the Pike syndicate. Uh, so, you know, there is, I think what we had, what we had thought was see if that's over or if that's going to be a much larger storyline. Yeah. That's I feel what like I'm... there's going to be a much larger storyline heading with those, those bikers. Cool. Totally. And of course, there is definitely a much larger one heading with the huts. And I'm very excited to watch so much hut. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we don't see the huts show up and have it not turn into a giant party and giant fight. So <laughs> they're the Don Kings of the Yo, Star Wars are. universe. They are. <laughs> Especially Zero, said, the hut. <laughs> He's oh, yeah. <laughs> over the top. <laughs> Yeah, they're the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday of uh, of Star Wars. <laughs> they have a throne, but they only use the edge. <laughs> so, Andy, is this the way? Ichuta. <laughs> oh, how dare you? How rude. <laughs>